Welcome everyone to The Randy Report. I'm Randy Slavacek, the writer and editor of The Randy Report, a daily blog that covers the current news cycle pertaining to pop culture, entertainment, and politics. Tonight my guest is Matt Zarley, acclaimed singer-songwriter, who shares with us his latest project, Hopeful Romantic. What's interesting about the project, though, is just like in life, sometimes you have a first date, sometimes you start down a road, sometimes you look to a new horizon, and you think you're starting in one direction, and by the time you get to the end of the journey, you've gone a completely different place. What started as one musical project became a completely different animal, but found Matt being celebrated around the world in Mumbai at the Khan Short Film Festival, here in America, and all over. So here's the first song from Matt's new project, Hopeful Romantic, and then we'll be talking to him. My heart's skipping, my mind's tripping, I play this scene before, oh, oh, oh. might be crazy, but thinking maybe, could this be the one I've been Turn the corner, nearly lost my breath. Gathered my composure, but when I looked into those eyes, well, that was it. I just knew, I knew, just knew, knew that I loved you. Matt Zarley, come on down. You're the next contestant on The Randy Report. Hello, Randy. How are you? <laughs> I should talk a little bit about our history. You know, you were, you were obviously a huge favorite on the Candy and Randy show, and you and I have known each other for a long time. You're an award-winning singer-songwriter. We've known that for years. You were, you were People Magazine's first openly gay, hottest bachelor, eligible bachelor. You were a big actor on Broadway yourself. You performed in Joe's Amazing Technical or Dreamcoat, A Course Line, Tommy. But you took all of that experience and you, you've been winning awards for your recordings for many, many years now. And you had this project, which is a short musical film. Is it a, is it a music video? Is it a film? Is it a, a romantic comedy? Is it a romantic drama? Is it, what is it? It's all of those things, right? It's all of those and a bag of chips. And a bag of chips. And that's like from the 90s, right? The early 90s is it? And a bag of chips, right? Because we were there, Um, see? Exactly. Um, Yeah, it's pretty much much hit on the head. It is pretty much um, all of those things rolled into one. Yeah, I mean, I wanted to, you know, I've I've wanted to create a musical experience for a long time just because of my background, like you just mentioned. And, you know, merging those merging all those worlds together, I, I think kind of freaked me out a little bit. I, I think I was a little shy about doing it. And when this all came about, when I was starting to write the music for this and it actually evolved into what it became, it felt like it was a perfect opportunity for me to sort of take advantage of, to sort of investigate those, that territory that I haven't really investigated, which was create a musical with a narrative. So. And the, the distinction there is like, you've been, you've been writing songs for years and, and you've been winning awards for them and two time out music award winner. When it came, to, and, and I know that you have had theater producers come to you saying, would you ever be interested in writing a musical for us? I wanted to start with how this whole thing beginning, it's like The Sound of Music, let's start at the very beginning, a very good place to start. You actually started this project with a completely different tone in mind. This, this was going to be a very up, happy pop album. 
because you were in love and, and things were great. You, you had written one song already, I, I, the, the music video, Somebody for Everybody. And you, you'd done the, the video, you had the single, and then something happened. And it changed the course of everything that led to this film. I was, yeah, I was, I was in a relationship at the time, um, and Somebody for Everybody was really inspired um, by this relationship I was in, honestly. And it was sort of an homage to that time in my life. Expanding upon that idea, I wanted to do an, like a collection of like five song, like a five song EP about being in love and how great you know life is and happiness and, and happiness. Yeah, and you know, sort of the whole idea with in terms of the sound for that project was going to be very Colby Calais, very sort of beachy summer top down driving down you know to the beach yeah. and just very very happy carefree kind of collection of songs and that's how i started this project initially a few weeks into that process of writing these new songs i i my relationship ended abruptly and without really any warning and it caught me off guard and it was really sort of hard for me to sort of access my emotions honestly in that moment to finish these songs in the way that i wanted to i wrote a song called constantly uh the week that we uh we ended our relationship and it was one of those things I sort of sat down and I just in a stream of conscious kind of way I wrote this song and it, that song really was the catalyst to rethink the whole trajectory of the entire project and the direction that I wanted to go in and, and what story I wanted to tell ultimately um, that was sort and, of the beginning of that change and you were the, at this point though it was still going to be an EP or an album it was still it was still likely going to be just an EP the, the visual stuff I hadn't even really thought about yet I, I knew I did not want to have any sad songs on the album initially, and I knew I didn't want to have like any power ballads. I wanted it to be sort of a mid-tempo kind of, you know, mid-tempo jam kind of happiness, you know, kind of vibe. Uh -huh. And my producing partner um, and writing partner, Andy Zula, who I worked with for many years, uh, when I sent him the constantly demo, he just said to me, he said, you need to rethink the direction of this album, I think, because this is like, I think one of the strongest things you've ever written, and this needs to go on it. Yeah. So if that means like rethinking, rethinking the whole direction, then maybe that's what you should do. At one point, you, you did a really successful Kickstarter campaign uh, to kind of kind of fund a, a project that you thought now it was going to seg segue into. You were going to do, if I remember correctly, three songs and and three music videos that were separate, but if you put them together, they were going to tell a story. That was kind of the yes. next step in the evolution. Yeah. The, yeah, the, the idea was is I was writing these songs and I knew that I visually, you know, I was always making a head and like, hey, what do I want to do with this in terms of marketing and visually and obviously the video element is a big part of any of any artist's uh, music mm -hmm. career. It's become a very it's become a very very big part of mine um, over mm -hmm. the past couple of years. Just with some videos that I that I've done that got a lot of attention. Yeah, you know, I wanted to do something that was that was unique and different. So I thought, well, why don't we do this? Why don't we tell a story? It'll be a narrative. It'll be you know a single narrative. And we'll tell it as a trilogy. So there'll be three parts to it. So I'll pick the three mm -hmm. songs that sort of encompass that whole story as best I can. And so um, that was sort of the idea initially. And I, I did I, I did a Kickstarter to sort of help you know, facilitate that because it was going to be expensive. And in that same process, I reconnected with uh, Ben Pollock, who directed my um, Trust Me music video. And he ironically out of the blue, just contacted me and said, well, what's going on with you? I, let's, I miss you. Let's talk and whatever. And I said, oh, I just finished a song here. Take a listen. And literally within like 20 minutes, I had get an email back. He said, um, I'll direct this video for free. So let's meet. Wow. <laughs> so yeah. that's, that's when that whole started. He loved that song. And then we met. And then I told him my idea about the three music videos. He loved it. And then as time evolved and I was continuing writing the songs, 
as any writer, you know, when they're creating something, they, they fall in love with what they're creating usually because it's part of extension of what what their emotions are and and where, and where they're at, you know, mentally and and, and emotionally and whatever. So I, you know, of course, I was getting really attached to all these songs I was writing. And I thought, well, why, why don't we work a little bit of this song into the story? And then, you know, a little bit of this song could sort of bridge that gap. And, uh-huh. and before I knew it, all the, all the songs were in some shape or some form a part of this whole musical film, basically, is what it became. It became a, you know, a short film. And that's when right. I was like, I think this is going to be a short film and not a music video situation. I said, yeah, but what I want to do is I want to be able to break apart each song in each video element and have it be able to stand on its own two feet without having any sort of knowledge of what the narrative is. I want to prove a point that you can have a pop song tell a theatrical story without, you don't need it to be one or the other. It can be both. It can stand by itself or you can put it in context of the whole thing and it it works in the context of a musical. So that was my big, big mission with this whole project was, was that I'm really very, very proud of how that, that turned out. I mean, because I think you do break apart each song and you can kind of, Go, you can get into it. It's not like, it, wait, what's going on? What's happening? They all sort of stand on their own as a little, like a little movie within themselves. So yeah, so that's how it all began. You took these songs that you wrote and you adapted them very smartly into a movie musical, but the songs are so good. So when you released the songs, you didn't just have the soundtrack version. It, correct me if I'm wrong. You actually wrote the songs Oh, I may be wrong. I'm not sure. Let me ask the question. You wrote the songs as songs first and then or and then adapted them to the storytelling because th- what I'm getting to is there were actually two versions. Yes. Now when when we when we were going into production on the film, there really was there were two songs that um I knew that we were going to cut. Um that you know we, we were going to edit somehow for the film. I knew that going into Okay. It. And that was um, Let Me Let Go, which was originally a duet that I do with Jeb Havens, which mm-hmm. I knew would not work in, in the full context, would not work in the film. But the chorus itself, in a different context, works beautifully, I think, for the story. So right. I knew going into that was not, that was, that was going to be the case. And then in Hopeful, um, which is the last song in the film, uh, the whole first part, of, like the first third of the song is basically a recap of what I just went through in the film. Well, we don't really need to hear a recap because we just saw it. So, right. you know, right. it's, it's not like, you know, it's not like a mini series. We need to recap, you know, two days ago. We just saw it. We get it. So I thought, well, let's cut all that. We don't need to, sh- we don't need to say that. We already saw it. So that song I knew was going to be cut uh, pretty dramatically. So going into that, those two are going to be cut. Yeah. And they're, 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 they're rethought a little bit in terms of like, I moved some, some lyric lines around, like maybe from the first verse into the second. I, I, I did, I did some finagling too, to, to make it, you know, work a little bit more seamlessly in the film context. And then um, when it came to I Just Knew and Constantly, we shot both of those songs in their entirety. I didn't really right. have any intention of, of cutting those two songs shorter because I felt like they established um, the story uh, in a very – it felt very complete having like all of I Just Knew in the film initially because I needed to get it, you know, I need to get sort of the sense of this relationship that this guy was in. And, right. and I didn't feel like, you know, down to shorter was really going to be able to do that. I was wrong. <laughs> it, actually, <laughs> it actually worked much, actually worked a lot better shorter within the film. Um, and it really sets the tone for the pace for the whole thing. So it was, that became important that we did cut that in half, but you know, by the time we got into post-production, but um, and then constantly, you know, I was I was really like down to the wire that we're not cutting this, any of the song, we're not cutting any of it, we're not cutting. It. 
I said, you know what, let's just, by, the, by that point, I was like, let's just see what it, what it feels like if we cut it shorter. And we cut it shorter, and it actually plays stronger as well within the context of the story. Um, so that, that was very, very invaluable for me as a writer and producer and as an artist too, to not be married to what I had done originally. And I, I really was not. So that was great. You knew what you wanted to say initially with the song, and then you knew what you wanted to say now as a filmmaker. Did it pain you to like cut something, or did no. you just did you just see it? No, because I, I think I think I think if you were to ask me in the beginning of the process, I would say, oh, we're absolutely not cutting that, you know. But by the time I got into everything and got into, and I was so involved in the post production. I mean, I went through all of the footage myself and and time coded every moment. You know, down to the second, and what you know, di- different beats and different accents. I mean, I looked at everything we have, and I knew the story that I wanted to tell, and I knew that it was going to be more um, efficient, more economical, and more impactful to to cut these songs down because it's just going to. I didn't want the audience to like be like rolling their eyes in their seats when it's going to be over. <laughs> I want them to. I want them to to want more when it's over, and I think we. I think we achieved that, and I feel like it. it because the story is told in a sort of music video approach, so it's quick, and the edits are quick, that right. we have to stay on, on that path. And I think by, you know, by having these shorter versions, I think it's just, it's just much more impactful, I think, for the story. And it's, it does me more favors at, at the end of the day anyway. So that's why, that's, why, that's why I decided to release two versions of the music. To hear them in the movie and then to hear the, the, the full context of the songs later is, is very interesting. And plus, I just think, that's probably a, a very musical, this is musical film, but a musical theater writer probably goes through the exact same thought process of, oh, I really love the song I wrote, but I have to serve the piece. For sure. I mean, I mean, first and foremost, that was the most important thing. And that really was the most important thing to me as well, because I knew that this was an opportunity for me to, to show my capabilities in another way that people haven't seen before. And so right. by me, you know, getting so hooked, you know, hung up on whether or not we have this verse or this chorus in the song, it's mm-hmm. going to be so, so pointless and moot if the whole thing doesn't play well because I've, of my own ego, you know. So it, right. it and it, I, guess, I guess I guess in the end it does come down to my ego anyway because it's like what's well, about how well I want it to come off in the end anyway. Right. But, uh, no, I, it, was, it was so it was so it was so valuable for me to experience that because I really learned that part of myself which I'm so happy I'm not one of those people that gets so hung up on it. And I, I really wasn't, mm-hmm. and it wasn't a struggle really at all. I was like, okay. And once, and once, like I said, once I got into the post production um, phase of this project myself and was seeing how things were playing every step of the way, I, I knew what needed to be done. So it, it was very, very educational for me. So very grateful for that. Sure. Well, we're talking so much about the music. Let's play some of it. This is going to be constantly, which was the first song that was actually the, the kickoff for the film. And then the song Back to You and Let Me Let Go, which you duet with. This is the acoustic version with Jeb Havens, not the version from the film. So, And we'll talk more about that, about how that happened, too. But let's listen to some of the music from Hopeful Romantic. If it's true that time will heal all wounds, then when will it start? When will it start? I've been bound at the same place that I cannot escape. Let go of my heart. Let go of my heart. Even though it's foolish, yes, I already know. I just can't let 
you as we mentioned before you did the soundtrack versions you did the 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 pop versions but you also did acoustic versions uh, of the songs and you've released these on iTunes by the way everyone go to iTunes and search Matt Zarley Z-A-R-L-E-Y and you find that I found when you shared these acoustic versions of the songs I love that last song by the way you know I'm a huge fan of you and Jeff Havens working together the acoustic versions almost revealed even more about the songs well, I don't know too if it's because I, um, you know, I'm 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 singing them from a different perspective at this point, and I've I've also lived with the songs much 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 longer now. Ah, um, that's interesting. Re- yeah. Yeah. So when I recorded the other songs, you know, they were somewhat new, and I had hadn't I had never performed them. I hadn't really they weren't you know as a part of me as they are now. Whereas like seeing them now, yeah. they're they're easier for me to sing, and they're more in my body. Like that could be part of it too. Um, and I also I think too when you have something that you've that you've created and you've had a little bit of time to step away from it and then come back, you kind of approach it. You're not, 
you're not you're seeing it from a, sort of a fresher with fresher yeah. eyes and fresher yeah. and fresher ears. You know what I mean? I, mean, I know like back to you more than which which you played the acoustic version to me. I, I really I really appreciate the song. I think more uh, acoustically. I just think it's, it's I think the song is I like I love the song in the film and on the album. But I, I feel like the acoustic one I even like more because I, I I love the melody so much for that song and the hook and and I I. I don't know. I, it really sort of drives it home a lot more, like you said, um, when you hear the acoustic version, because it's just that's just a guitar and it's one guitar in my voice. That's it. You know what's interesting about that is because I knew the original version, and then when I heard the acoustic version, for me, what impacted me was the lyrics. Suddenly, I heard in in fre- with fresh ears, almost it was it was suddenly I was hearing these lyrics, going, "Wow, no wonder this tells the story so well." When you strip something down, you know, when you do yeah. like, unplugged version of something, that's kind of what you're going for. Is you, know, you, want, you want people to really get a, an essence of really what the melody obviously is and lyrically, yeah. more importantly, the story you're telling. So I'm, I'm glad you had that. I'm glad they had that effect. Oh, I, it, was, it was really <laughs> like almost a revelation because I, I love the pop versions already. And they're like fully produced and like, you know, Andy Zula is like the best Grammy Award winner, blah, blah, blah. Your, your producing partner. But I love those. And then when you sent me the acoustic version, it's like, wow, I've, li- I've been listening to these lyrics for so long uh, because I've kind of been on the inside of this project for a little bit. But <laughs> suddenly I was like, wow, listen to those lyrics. Like, like, no wonder this story gets told so well. You know, one thing I, we haven't talked about is your fabulous cast, although they're very unattractive and ugly. I don't know how an audience looks at them. Jolie Jenkins and Chuck Sakula, you know, that must have been really hard to be around these people on set. It is. They're so ugly and untalented. It's tough. So ugly, tough. so untalented. Um, and I'm obviously I'm being facetious because they're both beautiful people and they're both so wonderful in the film. And then we, we should talk about your fourth co-star who, I, you know, I think he has hope. I think there's promise here. George Takei is in in the course of your musical short film and you're going through what you go through, he plays kind of your life coach, uh, George Omai. Oh and and George how Omai. how did that happen? Can you can you share a little or what was it like to work with George well, Takei on set? Well I first of all I have to everyone has to understand that not familiar with the project that there's there's no spoken dialogue films. Three spoken Important to say, you're right. Yes, and that was intentional, obviously. <laughs> and um, mm-hmm. the only person that has any sort of, you know, vocal outpouring is is me. And so, George, Jolie, and Chuck, none of them have any sort of dialogue or or, or anything to, or singing mm-hmm. or any type of communication. It's all done through body language and chemistry. Right. And I knew that when we were putting this sort of narrative. To- I really want to have a figure in this film that is a paternal or maternal figure that sort of embodies um, the next generation or sort of passing or, you know, paying it forward, so to speak. That person that sort of embodies that. And somebody that sort of crosses every social class, everything that who's beloved by every single person. First person I thought of was George because mm-hmm. of his, you know, his 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 revival and his career over the past few years, the social media and just everything, his, his, his ability, what he stands for as a human being, what he's done for our community, what he's done right. for the world, and just what he stand, what he stand, and you know, what he embodies. And he, to me, was like the perfect person for what I wanted to say. He was number one on my list. 
you know, and we, and we had other people like, you know, of course, like Ellen, Ellen would have been great. Ellen or, or, sure. or, or Whoopi Goldberg would be great. Those people, obviously, I mean, they're all, they're all like A-list people and, and I can't, you know, George is an A-list person too. And I thought if we can't get George, then let's go to like, you know, Whoopi Goldberg or let's go to, El- I mean, it's kind of pointless really, but, you know, and then I thought, well, maybe Lily Tomlin, so, so people, yeah. people that everyone knows who sort of embodies something that's really sort of, I want them. I want to be whoever played this part. I want. I want them to feel familiar, even if you've never met them before. And to right. me, that's what George possesses: is that you feel like you know him, even though you've never met him. And mm-hmm. so I, I, I was my friend, good friend Stafford Arima, who you know as well, mm-hmm. um, who's the director of Allegiance, which is George's Broadway musical that's on Broadway right now. I was in New York finishing these songs with Andy, and I said, you know, I'm gonna reach out to Stafford, and I asked, I said, would you feel comfortable about doing an email introduction and I'll take it from there. If, if you feel comfortable, I said, no, absolutely. Which he did. And um, I sent him constantly, the demo of constantly and a really short synopsis of the story that I wanted to tell and, and the way that I wanted to tell it with just music. And, and I didn't hear anything at first. Um, it was probably like two weeks before I heard anything back. Um, it was, it happened to be at the same time that Sundance was happening. So he was at Sundance yeah. with his, his documentary. And right. so, uh, so he was not even available and, you know, they weren't really going, looking at anything offers or any sort of, you know, propositions at that time. And so about two weeks after I sent the initial thing, I got, um, I got an email back from his manager and um, I sent over an offer and he said, yeah, he said, yes. And I, I couldn't believe it. I was really, did you just was, die? Like <laughs> I did. I mean, I just thought, you know, this is a moment that I I'm being gift wrapped and I need to take advantage of it to the full degree as I can. And, I just, I couldn't believe it. I felt like, okay, something's going to happen. It's, it's going to like come about where like the day that we can shoot is not, it's not going to work out. And so, you know, I basically, we, we, we scheduled the whole thing around his availability, which was he had mm-hmm. one week he was available. Um, he's an incredibly busy man. I don't know how he does it. And he's like 78 or 79 years old now at this point. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't know how he does it, but he's, he's so active and, um, you know, they were splitting time between New York and LA because Allegiance was, you know, in, in development. And so it was, you know, right. he just was a very, very busy man. So he had just one window this week. And so we said, great. So let's shoot him. Let's, so let's, let's get a lot of the hard stuff out of the way and let's shoot him towards the end of the week. And so we shot his stuff on Thursday, which is the second mm-hmm. to last day of shooting. And um, he showed up on the set and, and I mean, immediately, we just, it was like a love fest. He just was the loveliest person. And, you know, we had never met or even spoken or anything at that point. And so it was all, I was having faith that we're going to have some chemistry and it's going to be fun and easy. And it was, it was exactly what it, what I thought it would be, you know, even better. And yeah, I was very, very fortunate to have that experience with him. And I, I think he brings such a warmth to the whole, to the whole project and he's exactly what it should be. And, um, you know, it's, it's too bad that he doesn't get to use his, that, that voice that is so, you know, so, Resonating his so iconic voice, fun. yeah. Like, he, yeah. I think he's been nominated for a Grammy Award for like narrating a book or something. I, that voice is so iconic. What's interesting to me too about the entire thing is, you, you kind of presented him with a little bit of a task because, as you mentioned, he doesn't have any spoken dialogue. So, you show up on set and and there's a storyline that you guys need to tell. There are scenes that you need to shoot, but it all has to kind of be improv. And and he yeah. didn't blink at that. Like he just went, you, no. I, I'm assuming he didn't, you know, you guys just went for it. Like most actors, I would want to go, well, I want the script. I need to, you know, memorize it before I get there, blah, blah, blah. You know, 
George shows up and and you have to explain these this is what we need to get across and we have to kind of improv right now for the next well, he, well, many hours. There, there, well, there was a script in the sense that there's like there was a shot list and there was um a synopsis right. that we were following the outline for the story. So I mean, okay. and, and he had that ahead of he did have that ahead of time. He knew he knew what the story was. He knew what and what his role was going to be. So he, I mean, that was mm-hmm. like a mystery, but but there was no sort of like you know you know, reading down the scene together or anything like that before you would shoot something. It's like, this is the scenario. This is the whole setup. And, right. and, and it really was just like, I mean, didn't, I mean, he was so committed to it. I mean, just, and I was very committed to it, obviously. And between the two of us, it just was like, we were in it. Like we're just it was so easy. It was like, not, it was breeze. It really was. I think and, the um, connection think, really shows. Oh, thank you. I, I think so too. I mean, and it's really genuine. That's the thing. I mean, the, the the last moment that we see him, which is when I when I thank him, mm-hmm. it was such a sweet moment. And I have all that. Obviously, I have all that footage on on you know on film and stuff. And just to see all of it, it's just he's just lovely. He's so sweet, and he's so like he's so appreciative as well as, for being there. It wasn't like it wasn't like you know hurry up, let's go. And you know we had I think in his contract he had like six hours, I believe, is what his manager. Mm-hmm. And it goes, is what he asked for, six hours. It was, it was reasonable. Mm-hmm. It was fine. Um, and we were getting up to, because we started early with him. We started him at the beginning of the day. And it was getting up to lunchtime, and we had a later lunch. And then the director was saying, you know, we, we've, got, we've got to wrap because George, George has to get out of here. It's almost six hours. And George said, said, says who? And I said, well, it's in your contract that, you know, we only have you for six weeks. You have me all day if you need me. It's fine. So it was just uh... like, you know, that's, that's how he was, you know, and I mean, we did not need him after lunch. We were done with him by the time we needed to be done, but, but he actually, he actually stuck around for like three hours after lunch and watched. Oh, wow. It was just, it was really sweet. It was just, he's very supportive and loving and he's just, he's really a dear, dear person and I'm grateful. So. And the postscript to this entire journey kind of to wrap this up is you finish the film, you decide to submit it to film festivals And you were a little, I have to laugh out loud as I even say the sentence, you were a little successful there with the film festivals. Well, thank you for saying that. I mean, I think we did, I think we were like the little, the little film that could. I mean, it was funny like because we over were. Over um, two dozen film festivals? Yeah, something like 28 festivals. 28? I mean, that's amazing for a short film, a short musical I've, film. And, you know, it's interesting because I think I – I mean, there were a few festivals I was kind of shocked that we did not get into. I'll be honest with you if I'm being just completely mm-hmm. upfront. Mm-hmm. But I, as I learned in this whole process – because, look, the film festival world, I'm completely foreign to that. I've never I never been a part of that. I've been been to some film festivals, but I've never, ever been, a, you know, part a of producer, the whole process. A producer. Yeah, yeah. A producer or even an actor in, in a film. You know, I just have never yeah. been that. So. So um, the one thing I did learn about uh, one of the many things I learned is that, you know, this particular project is very unusual and people, mm-hmm. some of the programmers, I don't think didn't, they didn't know where to put it in their program right. because it is a musical, but it's not a traditional musical. It's is not it a music, music video. video? There we go. That's, that's the thing, yeah, right? So it, feels, it feels like a music video and it plays like a music video at first, but if you don't watch the whole thing and you discount it as a music video, it's, you know, it's your loss because you're not. You, you really have to watch the entire 16 minutes to really get you the really do. whole story. What just happened? So right. otherwise, it's, it comes off as a really well produced music video. 
But if you watch the whole thing, you see how all those songs are connected and the story keeps going. And it keeps, it's, it's unique. So I think a lot of times, too, is I think maybe some programmers didn't watch the whole thing or mm-hmm. maybe they just purely didn't know what to do with it because it did, it, they knew it wouldn't appeal maybe to like this audience and there wasn't a slot for it or whatever. And, um, but overall, yes, we did really well. You know, we were in the Cannes Short Film Festival, which was exciting. And Hello. We had a premiere, international premiere at the Mumbai Festival, which is a very reputable um, LGBT festival. And um, um, we just got asked by Amsterdam a couple of weeks ago. Wow. We're premier, we have a Canadian premiere next week at the Montreal Festival. So it's, yeah, it's been really wonderful. It's nice and knowing, and, you know, I've gotten um, messages from people that saw it at the festivals too, just to let me know how much they loved it. And, and um, the thing that's been interesting is I would say we've probably been in, Probably fifty-fifty mainstream and LGBT festivals. So it's, yeah, you know, we've housed been as many mainstream as we have been in the, in the gay festivals. And I've been to um, several of them. And I remember the first, our sort of festival premiere, which was on Valentine's Day, ironically, um, was was the Hollywood Independent Film Festival. And I went, um, and we actually ended up winning the LGBT short award at that festival. And wow! I was I was I was at the screening, and um, somebody came up to me after the screening. This group of this group of um, these couples, two couples, how much they loved it. You know, these straight couples and this time, Oh my God, so good. It was so, it was so relatable. We've all been there and it's, it's told so beautifully. And, and then I got like a few emails from that same festival from people that saw it. And I was just like, wow. I mean, it just, to me, that's what it's all about, you know, is and yeah. having that, you know, relatability to, an, you know, any audience is like, it's just wonderful. So I, I really, um, it's been really rewarding and, and eye opening and on several levels. So, there's a whole lot of politics involved in in some of these film festival things and blah blah blah. Like anything else, um, the people involved and 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 what they may be thinking for that year or something. So exactly, you I mean, never know. There but, are, there are some, yeah, I mean, there are festivals that do like themes for the for the year. So you know, if like there was one festival, I was really shocked we didn't get into, and then I found out that the theme was uh, senior citizens in the LGBT ah. community. Like that was the, sort of the running theme. And um, there's another one where the theme was like international films. Well, we don't really apply to any, any of those, you know? And so what's, what's interesting is like, I've had, I had a friend of mine who's been, who's had a couple films in the festival and he, he did tell me that initially. I said, don't get offended. This is, you know, I think of this and this and this. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's telling me that. And I'm thinking, he's just saying that to be nice. So I won't get my feelings hurt. But lo and behold, that does, ha- that is the case. And there is just, you know, there's always so many spots. You know, especially like the smaller ones, like there are a couple yeah. smaller ones that we didn't get into, which I was like, I was like, what? I'll find, you know, I'll get to the meeting of this, and I would, I would just get feedback because it's good for me to know why something doesn't get into something, just for my yeah. own, just for educational purposes, so to speak. And that that really, it really, like there was one that like we only have X amount of slots. And we just didn't have enough thought. We loved your film. It just—it wasn't about the, pro- the product. It was just there wasn't enough space for it. And yeah. so, you know, there's so many factors that go into it. You can't really, you can't take it personally, even though it's hard. We put so much into it. But I want to play one more song because I'm such a fan of the of the movie. Uh, again, the movie is uh, Hopeful Romantic. You can find it on iTunes. Not hopeless. You can... Not hopeless. Not hopeless. Not hopeless. Not hopeless. Hopeful romantic, because that's who Mad Zarley is. He's a hopeful <laughs> romantic. 
And don't forget, the easiest way to find out all information relating to Matt Zarley is to go to mattzarley.com. That's M-A-T-T-Z-A-R-L-E-Y.com. How simple is that? To find more information about his musical short film, Hopeful Romantic, and all of his musical projects. We're going to close out the show with one more song from the film. This might be considered the title track to the movie. This is Hopeful. Good night, everyone. Life was swiftly changing, my heart was rearranging I'll keep keeping on And though the pain was stinging, my soul was finally singing do it.